Ryan. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. You get like a hiccup or a burp and you try to swallow it. That's what we were doing there. This is the Press Box. (laughs) <laughs> some guy some guy heard that yesterday. It took him two two minutes to tweet. He thought it was a soda can. I said, come on, it's eight in the morning. With Grady and Bischoff. Jared, you say that like the quality of these shows have been good since we've been doing it from yes, home come anyway. On, Jared. Come on. on ESPN Las Vegas. These are great shows. I don't know what anyone's talking about there. Come on, Jared was right. Great shows. You can't get any better than this. Schumer says so. Who the hell is Schumer? Oh, that other dude who likes to tweet in. What's his name? Oh, my God. You made him Sploosh to Sherman to Schumer? You can't even remember the <laughs> no, fake name you gave no. to Sploosh? I'm going to give Sploosh, like, fake names, like, until oh the God. next year. So, from now on, anybody, anytime you reference somebody whose name starts with an S, we yes. just have to assume it's Sploosh, no yeah, matter what. Exactly. What a nightmare. What exactly. a nightmare. All right, hold on. Before we yell about goaltenders, last night's Golden Knights game was great. It was awesome. Like, just from a straight-up game stand or entertainment standpoint, that was a fantastic yeah. game. Now, there's an underlying problem, solution. I don't know what the answer is, but there's something going on here with the Golden Knights beyond just what happened last night. But that actual game was phenomenal. I high-fived a stranger. Were you at the game? No. Yeah, it was great. 945. 945, give me by 10. I really loved it. (laughs) Thought it was a great, yeah. great game. It was, it was just wonderful, you know. Can I have eight hundred words in fifteen minutes? Well, let's go. Yeah. Ed looks like me after a night of power drinking, and he literally <laughs> just did his job last night. Uh, well, let's do ours on this show. The first bite. The first bite is brought to you by the Unnecessary Roughness Podcast on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Has Pete DeBoer sabotaged the Golden Knights goalies? There's so much to unpack here, and I hope we get it to, to, to all of it. Robin Leonard plays the first period last night, then he gets pulled. Uh, Logan Thompson finishes it out, and they win 4-3 in overtime. So, I look. I made I think, it my night to shine. I, <laughs> Logan Thompson? Yeah. Oh, there you go. I didn't know he was For playing. For the first period, you're like, boy, this guy's not even playing. Um, I Okay, let's go with this first, though. Why did he start after Pete DeBoer took a shot at him uh, after the New Jersey game? And all he did all week was talk about Logan Thompson's consistency. So yesterday when we found out Robin Leonard, you know, uh, either wasn't at the skate or Logan Thompson stayed behind to take extra work, you knew who was starting last night. And I think other than the people who told him to go out and skate and start, everyone was shocked that he started last night. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So, okay. Let's take this to the very basic of this. Robin Leonard starts that game. And like you said, Pete DeBoer, after the last Golden Knights game, basically said Robin Leonard hasn't been good enough. And yet Robin Leonard still ended up starting, despite having a very bad game, despite Logan Thompson, for the most part, playing very well every time he's got shot. So the the very basic part of this is who decides who starts in goal. Do you believe there is any front office decision-making going on here? Do you believe at all that this was George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, telling, insinuating, suggesting to Pete DeBoer that Robin Leonard should start? Or do you believe this is 100% a Pete DeBoer decision? I think this is a collection of people with opinions, and I'll tell you why. The quote that he gave after the game that Robin Leonard is paid to start these games was as diplomatic yeah. as you can be without saying other people are giving their opinions. That is a quote that an owner or a GM gives. 
That is that the coaches yes. don't the coaches yes. don't say that. They don't say he's paid to start these games. That's what someone else, I believe, right or wrong, someone brought that up in some context. And I look, I'm telling you, it's my belief he wanted to start Logan Thompson. I think how can you go all week and talk about his consistency? And he's been the consistent one. And you're talking about the biggest game. You know, everything's the biggest game of the season now until they're either eliminated or to make the playoffs. These are the biggest games of the season and not start them. So when he said that quote, that was that was to the point of, wait a minute, who 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 says those kind of things? And Right, because a, a coach generally, I mean, they, they're aware, and I'm sure it comes up sometimes, but in general, a coach doesn't make decisions based on how much a guy gets paid. The front office does. That's exactly what the front office has to deal with. They're the ones that are there giving out the they're contracts. Paying they're the ones that are having, yes, to deal with the salary cap. A coach is, you know, in a very simplistic manner, just there to put the best lineup on the ice, just there to give his the lineup he has the best chance to win. Obviously, it's not that simple and separated. There is probably a lot more conversation about it. But I, I think you're right. When he said after the game last night, Robin Leonard gets paid to play these games, that sounded like something that George McPhee told Robin Leonard yesterday and DeBoer was like, or told DeBoer yesterday and DeBoer was like, fine, I'll start him if he's paid to start these games. Why isn't he paid to finish them? And that's the fascinating part to me, because if there was a... Well, he's only paid to start him. <laughs> if there, well, he's paid to play him, not start. Uh, if there was a collective decision, or if there was a mandate from the front office, either way, if there was some involvement from the front office as to who started last night's game, Pete DeBoer basically gave them a middle finger after the first Absolutely. period and said, nope. I'm going with Logan he, Thompson. He, sto- because, he, he look, stopped 12 of 13 shots. Right. He gave up a goal. And yeah, you he look did. back at it, and you, you'd like to stop it. But, like, for example, Washington's expected goals in the first period last night was 1.1. So, Leonard giving up one goal, it, that was not the worst period Robin Leonard's played in the last month. No, Right? He's played not. worse periods than that and not been pulled. He, pulled, so, he played worse periods two days ago. <laughs> so, yeah, and played the entire game. So, it is fascinating to try to figure out what happened here because the the other problem I have with it is whether it's the front office or Pete DeBoer or whoever made the decision to start Robin Leonard, I can't figure out the logical reason as to why they would start Robin Leonard. I can't do it because for this year's team, Logan Thompson has been better than Robin Leonard. And to give them the best chance to win going into last night's game, it was clear to everybody except whoever made this decision that Logan Thompson gave them the best chance to win. So if you look at it from the just, hey, how does this team get to the postseason? They should have started Logan Thompson. But even if you look at it from a future standpoint, if you're trying to look into the future because the odds of the Golden Knights making the playoffs are very low and maybe you're saying, hey, let's get ready for next year. The, here's the absolute best case scenario for the Golden Knights. Logan Thompson plays the rest of the way. Logan Thompson is good. The Golden Knights make the playoffs. Logan Thompson plays well in the postseason. And then you go into the offseason, get Robin Leonard, and having Logan Thompson having confidence he's a good goalie and paying him less than a million dollars. That is the absolute best case scenario for next season for the Golden Knights is Logan Thompson proving he's good enough to start and you don't have to pay him hardly anything starting Robin Leonard prevents any of that from happening it makes this year's team worse and it makes the ideal scenario for next year not possible 
I can't figure out a logical reason why anyone in that organization would want to start Robin Leonard last night. Well, I mean, I can sort of come out with, you know, are they uh, not wanting to admit, admit a mistake? There's two reasons. The management who paid this guy $25 million for five years does not want to admit a made mistake, especially after traded away Flurry. And two, they saw the headline on Dave Shane's story yesterday, has Leonard lost his job and said, to heck with you, Dave Shane. <laughs> I told Shane that last night. This is all your fault. You, I know you don't write headlines, but you wrote that he might have lost his job. And they're all sitting around the uh, coffee room the next morning saying, okay, well, we'll show that guy. We're starting Robin Leonard tonight. And told Pete DeBoer, you're starting Robin. We're not going to let Shane tell us what to do. But I think so, it's more so that they don't want to admit they made a mistake. And I agree with you that after the first period, now look, maybe he did think things looked rattled and chaotic, which is what he said after the game. Maybe he really thought that. It's still very bizarre given the guy stopped 12, 13 shots and he wasn't really bad. I will not put it past it that he said, all right, gave him the start. Now I'm going with the guy I want. <laughs> so if let me ask you a hypothetical. If Leonard stops all 13 shots, does he get pulled after the first period? It's a great question. I'm going to say no if he's shutting them out. I would assume so. but I would assume so. But who, I assumed Logan Thompson was starting last night, so what am I assuming? I don't know what's going on. Like I said in the paper, where's Laurent Brossois? Where's that guy? Maybe they ought to pull that guy off the IR, whatever he's on, and put that guy in the game. So the the fascinating part about, you know, if the front office made or helped make this decision, and like you said, maybe they don't want to admit a mistake because they got rid of the uh, fan favorite Marc-Andre Fleury, they chose Robin Leonard, and they don't want to admit, oh, Leonard's not very good. The only problem I have with that is the entire history of this organization. That has not been how they've operated. Just, just three weeks ago, they admitted that Evgeny Dodonov was a mistake and traded him away for nothing. Well, they got the contract of John Moore, who was never going to play. They like they just admitted a mistake like three weeks ago at the trade deadline when they traded away Evgeny Dodonov. They had no problem after yeah, trading for Tomas Tatar in year one. Pete, or Gerard Gallant, excuse me, healthy scratched that guy in the postseason, and they immediately turned around and traded him before the next season even came around. This organization has had no problem saying, whoa, that signing, that trade was a mistake. How do we get out of it? So starting Logan Thompson last night was how you not necessarily get out of it contract-wise in the future, but gives you a path to getting out of it. So I I, I understand that thought process, but that is, it's not how they've operated no. at all. They've had no problem saying, yep, we screwed that up. We're trading that guy away now. No, Tyler, but you made the best point in this flurry. I think everything this Does organization. That everything? I think I think that changes everything. They knew the reaction they got from this fan base and from you know whether it's media or whoever when they traded Flurry. I think Flurry will always be considered different within this franchise for stuff like that. I mean, did the was the franchise going to go crazy if Daddy was gone? I mean, you know, no. I don't even know if they would have had an, a reaction. But I think it's within them that they know what Flurry meant to that fan base, what it, what he meant to the city, and they're the ones who moved on from him. And again, you and I both said it. They had to move on from him. He made $7 million a year. You can't carry $12 million in, goal, in goalkeepers. So we're not changing our mind on that. That's what had to happen. But I do think that that guy holds a different level of whatever you want to say in that room, and they do not want to take that they, that they let the wrong guy go. And when it comes to stuff like this, that's a situation where it's like, hey, we can't, we want to give this guy every chance because we, this is the guy we chose and this is the guy we signed. And I don't know if they told Pete DeBoer that, but you can't tell me that these types of decisions in that type of game does not have a lot of opinions in the room. So let me ask you this question. Is Bill Foley in that room? 
physically, I don't know, but my guess is he has an opinion. I, I don't know where he is on most days. I mean, you know, he's, uh, this isn't his only business. So, I, you know, sometimes he's out of the country. Sometimes he's up in Napa with his wine business, Fidelity, all that stuff. But in physically in the room, I don't know. But my guess is he's passing on his opinion. Because I, the, what you laid out there, the idea that, hey, you moved on from Flurry, so you got to start Robin Leonard because you chose to get rid of the fan, the, the fan favorite for Robin Leonard. That sounds a lot like something Bill Foley might walk yeah, in. Yeah, because Flurry was such a he, he right. liked Flurry. That Bill Foley might walk in and say, "Listen, you guys convinced me that we had to get rid of the guy that everybody loved, including me. Everybody loved uh, Bill Fo- or Mark Andre Flurry, and you convinced me that we had to get rid of him because Robin Leonard was the guy. And now you're telling me Robin Leonard's not starting for Logan Thompson. That sounds like something I could see Bill Foley saying more than anybody else that would have had a hand in making that decision." Yeah, an owner, an owner. It goes back to, um, you know, he's paid to play these type of games. Uh, I could see uh, McPhee saying that. I could see McCrimmon saying that. I could see them in, not maybe saying out loud, but insinuating it, like you said. I mean, you know, I, hey, here's my opinion. And DeBoer went with the opinion. Um, and then in the second period, he went with his own opinion. I Unless I'm proven wrong, I can't. There's just, we're talking about this last night uh, on Press Row. It's like you said. There's no reasonable expectation that he would have started last night. And we're not the coach, and he knows more about his team than we do. I get that. But when you hear him all week talk about the consistency of one guy and how the other guy did not play well two nights before against one of the worst teams in hockey who had nothing to play for, by the way, and then he starts him, it's fair to ask questions. They might not like people asking questions, but it's very fair to ask questions. Or don't talk all week about how the other guy's consistent. (laughs) Right, I mean, don't then don't say that. I mean, this is this is a very fair um, situation where questions can and should be asked, and they're not going to care about that probably, and they're certainly not going to address them in you know in the ways we'd like them to. But I I was I was just surprised he started last night, and when he started, you know, kind of all the wheels started turning. He's like, why would you make this decision? All right, I know we need to go to break, but I, I still have one more question. Do you think? Anybody made a decision or suggested their opinion as to who should start at goalie as a way to save their job? I don't know. I'm going to have to say I don't know about that. Um, And if it was someone, it was in management. Because, again, I don't think anything should happen to Pete DeBoer, no matter what happens this season. Um, There's been too many injuries. I, I think he's done, for the most part, a really, really good job. So if that did happen, I think it came from management. And that's that's the part, again, where I go back to Bill Foley potentially being involved, whether or not it's specifically saying Leonard better start or just hinting at some possibilities because the team's best chance to win is Logan Thompson in that. And winning, usually, we'd say, cures everything, right? But for whatever reason, this team made a decision that gave them a worse chance to win and... I I wonder if there's some level of pressure that somebody thinks they're losing their job unless Robin Leonard plays well. But even that, I still have a hard time figuring out because the 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 answer is to make the playoffs. The answer doesn't. It's not who's in goal. It's does the team make the playoffs. It doesn't matter who's in goal if they make the playoffs. So no. I I don't know. But it just when you have something that's as bizarre as this, I, you have to look at it from a standpoint of is somebody worried about losing their job and making their decisions from that mindset instead of a, hey, what's our best chance to win mindset? 
Oh, I thought we were going. My nah, bad. All right. Good. My bad. Yeah, Coming up next. Bad. Jared's looking. I was Coming on Twitter. up next. <laughs> oh, way to go, Jared. <laughs> the Celtics have a 2-0 lead after Kevin Durant played maybe his worst game ever. You know, they kind of like punch us in the mouth first half. But, you know, ultimately we we eventually responded, you know, later in the game. It'd be Maxi trying to break free. They circle around. It's Joel. He turns. He fires for three. It's a it's good. It beat. He makes a shot. And the Sixers have taken the lead. Joel beat along the far sideline. And the Sixers take the lead. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. This is the press box with Graney and Bischoff. Three games in the East last night. You just heard Joel Embiid's game-winning three-pointer in overtime. But we're going to start with the Celtics and the Nets. The Celtics took game two, won that game by seven points. The Nets blew a 17-point lead. They would have evened up the series, but by blowing that lead, the Celtics now lead 2-0, going to Brooklyn for game three. Um, Ed, I know you were at the Golden Knights game. I know you didn't watch this game. That's the worst I've ever seen Kevin Durant play basketball. How in the world <laughs> can the best player go 0 for 10 from the floor in the second half? I, I, I don't even know how that's possible. No idea. He was 4 of 17 from the floor overall in the game. He did score 27 points because he shot 20 free, free throws, throws in that game. But he could not make a jump shot. He had more turnovers in that game than made field goals. It was unbelievably bad because here's here's the part about kevin durant that makes him one of the best scorers of all time even if you have a good defensive against him he's seven feet tall and can pretty much always get off a 15 foot jumper that nobody can contest and he's such a good shooter that he makes that at a high enough rate that it's efficient and that's that's when you play good defense yesterday uh, Boston was as physical with Kevin Durant, he shot 20 free throws, as I've ever seen a team. Like, I mean, this was, they're not going to call a foul on every possession. And they still called quite a few fouls. But this was, (laughs) they're not going to call a foul on every possession. We are going to try to physically make this as the most physically demanding game Kevin Durant has ever played. And that's my only guess as to why it worked because of how physical they were with Durant. He just never got into it offensively, couldn't knock down shots. And oh, by the way, Kyrie Irving sucked too. He was four of thirteen. He only made one shot in the second half. Did they he flip were com- anyone off? Uh, I don't believe so. Maybe himself every time he missed a shot. Um, they were. I think it was one of seventeen. Kyrie and Kevin Durant were in the oh. second half. I mean, it, it, it was horrific. So. First of all, according to Kevin Durant, he is not seven feet tall. He tells everyone he's six foot nine. Yeah, he's seven feet tall. No, he's not six nine. No, no. But he, tells, he tells everyone people, yeah. that he's six no, foot nine. So that way he doesn't have to, you know, go in the post. I watched this game and it genuinely were moments where like Kyrie and Kevin Durant looked at each other like, I I, I got do you got any I don't have anything, man. Like they were looking at each other, going, "Can can you do something, please?" They almost won, though. Like that's they, yeah. They got a great game from Bruce Brown. Like the guys not named Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant actually played well in that game. And they're down two nothing. It's gonna be pretty hard to come back from two nothing. I'm actually a little bit more encouraged after last night that the Nets could actually win this series because. 
if they just simply get Kevin Durant not being the worst basketball player on the planet, they they're, they're going to beat Boston with the rest of the game they got last night. So I'm like they lost, they're down two nothing. But uh, Ed, your your pick to win the East isn't looking great. But no, I'm still it's a not. little. It's not. Still, there's still a little reason for. Uh, they get optimism. game three. There's reason for optimism, obviously. Yeah, if they can go home, home and they can win a game, yeah. and well. because heck, they could be up two zero right now. But they're not. They haven't done enough. They, I, in I, reality, I, I, I would have liked to, for whatever reason, see. I would have liked, uh, for whatever reason, to see in a weird sort of way him go over ten because I've never seen something like that out of him. Yeah, it, I've never it, seen him do that. It, it, well, I mean, it was like I was sitting there, kind of stunned, and every time he took a shot, I was like, "Oh, this one's going to go in," and it just, it never did. I unbelievable how bad Kevin Durant was. Like, never again, never seen anything like that from him because that's again that's why he's so incredible he's just he can shoot over pretty much everybody that even if you play well he's still going to get the shot off and he got some of those shots off just didn't make any of them whatsoever um did you see Joel Embiid's game winning shot uh I did we were there okay. at uh the VGK game and uh your friend and mine Adam Hill had it on the tablet like I'm sure you did at the house or on the TV and he goes oh look at this shot I glanced over I said hey it's a good shot did he complain to you in person about non-call on a moving screen? No, he did not say okay. anything about that. I didn't give him. I didn't give him time enough to. I just said, "Hey, it's a great <laughs> shot," and I kept look back at my computer. Because he did tweet about it. He tweeted that okay. Tobias Harris got away with the moving screen, and he did. He absolutely did. And that's why Joel Embiid was so open to take that three. Um, that was, I, I think, the worst game-winning possession I've ever seen. <laughs> because the Sixers, the reason that Joel Embiid had to shoot a turnaround three with 0.9 seconds on the shot clock is because the 76ers had an absolute nothing possession. And Joel Embiid was like isolating on the wing was what they went to. A tie game to chance to win it. And they were like, let's isolate Joel Embiid on the wing. He got the ball knocked away from him and they had to call a timeout near midcourt. And then he hits that shot. That was horrific, but yet Joel Embiid bailed him out by hitting Joel Embiid bailed him out by hitting a turnaround three pointer. Like terrible last possession that did not deserve to be rewarded with a game winning shot. But Joel Embiid's pretty good, and he buried the game winning shot. Harden again, nineteen on seven of thirteen. Yeah, it was it was his best Fouled game out. of the series. Yeah, he did foul out. It was his best game of the series. Um, so. I guess improvement, but not really great when your best game of a series three games in is 19 points, 11 of 13 shooting. He was kind of a non-factor. I mean, 19 points isn't a non-factor, but for what we expect out of James Harden, they are in all seriousness. Like we're three games into this postseason. I, I think it's completely fair to say their big two is Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. Their, their big two is not Embiid and Harden. Harden's got to do something to, to get back to that. But their big two right now is Embiid and Maxi. So it's was, not. It's not hard. Was Nick Nurse heard? Given Embiid only shot nine free throws. Yeah, and did you see Embiid? Embiid well, did, was I don't know. Did if he, he say something? Complaints or not? He said he said something like they've been complaining about the fouls. I guess they finally got their way, and it still didn't work. <laughs> Boy, he loves to go back and forth with these guys <laughs> in the fouls. Embiid's great. He is. He is absolutely great. He was. Did you? He trash talked Drake as he walked off the floor. That was fun too. He told Drake he was coming for a sweep, and Drake like followed behind him like a puppy following his his oh, owner. Oh no! Yeah, I didn't so see that. yeah. that's awesome. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, Drake showing up in round two in Philadelphia with like a full 76ers uniform on. Like, that's what's happening for him. And then they'll lose to the Heat and they'll be in a Heat uniform for the <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals. But yeah, Joel Embiid's he's pretty great. Coming up next, Kevin Bollinger joins the show. I think, you know, when you find players in the mid rounds that ultimately develop into, you know, um, core contributors for your team, um, yeah, there's a level of a level of uh, pride in finding those guys because like you said you know there's um you know there's uh, always the the kind of the players that have have risen to the top for one reason or another not that all those players pan out we know that they don't uh there is a there is a level of pride in finding those players in the mid rounds that can contribute for your team you're sitting in the press box with graney and bischoff on espn las vegas follow them on twitter at ed graney and bischoff underscore tyler Joining us now from Fox 5 is Kevin Bollinger. Uh, Kevin, before we get into any Raiders stuff, I, I'm hoping maybe you can help us out. Can you explain what's happening with the Golden Knights goalies? <laughs> you know, Ed was sitting about uh, three people down from me in the press box last night, and there was just a lot of uh, people like looking at each other throughout the game, <laughs> like, what in the heck is going on here? Uh Certainly, uh, you know, the storyline underneath the storyline of the playoff chase right here. And I don't know if we'll ever know the true story of what happened last night. But uh, bizarre uh, in this entire goalie thing that goes all the way back to the bubble in Edmonton and all the way through, uh, the story continues. Would you be surprised if this is a situation where they let the fan favorite go, the face of the franchise, and their situation in terms of management, not as much Pete DeBoer is like, look, that happened. We've got to go with this guy. We paid him. He was our choice. So it was, you know, perhaps suggested in a way that, hey, we'd like to see this guy because the statement that he's paid to play these games, um, we were talking uh, last night after the game, is more so that uh, uh, someone from management would say something like that. So would you be surprised if this is one of those situations where, you know, we let Flurry go, this is, has to be our guy now? You know, I wrestled with that a little bit when I was driving home last night, but and I don't know Pete DeBoer very well, but he does not seem like the type of guy, especially in this situation, that's going to be told what to do in terms of, of putting somebody on the I just see him pushing back on that, but, but I don't know. Again, I, I think that's an answer we'll never get, uh, right. especially with, with this crew uh, in the front office that doesn't really like to give a lot of information to begin with. I, I, we'll never find that out. Uh, conceivable sure uh it would be interesting to to listen in on that conversation and, and see if uh you know if, if that was the case and they said you need to start him and then he pulls him after a period and then they they say what the heck's going on he's like you said i had to start him you didn't say i had to play him all three periods <laughs> do you know how great that would be if that was his response yeah you told me to start him but not have him finish the game uh give us a prediction for sunday who who starts in goal the next time for the golden knights I, it's it's got to be Logan Thompson, I would think. <laughs> People in that arena will lose their mind, uh, and and uh, the Twitterverse will will blow up if it's not him. I would think uh, at, at this point, based on on what we saw uh, in the first period, I, you know, and, and there's they're still in it. I mean, shoot, uh, according to to uh, you know. Moneypuck.com, who's, who's one of those probability things in the playoffs, their chances went up to 28% last night uh, with the win and the Dallas loss. And, and they'll know a lot more how important that game is based on what happens with Dallas tonight in Calgary 
because uh, if Dallas loses that game, then all of a sudden things get really, really interesting for that last wild card spot. Uh, and and then at that point, you got to ride ride the hot hand. I would think you, you would think that they would have been riding the hot hand all along, but <laughs> man, uh, it, it could get very, very interesting with the home finale for this regular season uh, and an already hyped up crowd to, to have something like that happen. Uh, we were at the Dave Ziegler press conference yesterday before the draft with the Raiders. Let me just ask you this because we haven't had a lot of time with him, you know, in the same room after his introductory press conference, unless you're at the owners' meetings. It's the first time I think uh, we've been around him. How do you think he came off? Like, you know, he talked for about 35 minutes. He wasn't going to give too much on the draft away. I mean, no GM is this close to the draft. But how do you think he came off? You know, it, it, it uh, was one of those situations where. He spoke for so long, and then when he went back and listened to everything again, he didn't really say a lot. Uh, it was like a Luger press conference back in the day where you're like, wow, this is great stuff, and then you go back and listen to it. Goes, well, he didn't really say anything, uh, but it sounded good. Uh, other than the fact that he was an extra on Law & Order SVU, I don't think we got a ton of facts uh, out of that press conference. Um, I, I think the one interesting thing was the, the you know draft for need versus draft best player available, and and he's obviously a big believer in, in drafting the best player available. Uh, but he was pretty coy about uh, a lot of the things that uh, they were looking at in terms of their draft board and, and what their strategy is going to be next week. Do you think Hunter Renfro is going to get paid this offseason by the Raiders? I, I do. I think they're going to wait till after June 1st when uh, a lot of that money uh, gets free, just so they have a better idea of what they're working with moving forward. Uh, they get a lot of that salary cap space from the guys that left uh, or a release like Nassib and Littleton and stuff like that. Uh, and, and that's the one thing, you know, normally teams will take that June 1st money and, and they'll hold off on signing their draft picks until after that time. Uh, well, they're not going to have to pay out uh, any of the, the bigger contracts without a first or second round pick. Uh, so it, it does afford them some room, but I think they kind of want to see where they're at. moving forward after this year. Obviously, he's still got a year left on the deal. So, uh, I, I do think that, that Hunter Renfro seems to me like the type of player that would fit in with what Josh McDaniels wants to do as well with his offense. Uh, we've seen players like that be successful with the Patriots in the past as well. Uh, I think that they're going to make sure that uh, he gets a deal done uh, and, and sticks around. Would you be surprised if they moved up or moved back? I mean, what do you, you know, what's your gut tell you in terms of uh, staying at that third pick, which I think is 86 overall? You and I were talking yesterday. I think it was like, I not think I know it's in the 80s. Um, did you hear enough from him that maybe he's thinking of going either way or just taking the best player available at, at the third, third round? I think they may move up a, a little bit. Uh, if there's a certain player that they want that they're afraid another team is going to grab, I don't see them making a, a massive move. I know. A couple of Raider fans, uh, you know, just like Stavi said, do you think they'll move up in the first round? Like, you don't really want them to move up the first round because that means they're giving up a big-time player like Darren Waller to get a first-round pick. Uh, so I don't see them moving up too much, maybe up a little bit uh, in the third round or, or late second. But I don't think that they want to give up as, as much capital as it's going to take to do that unless there's somebody that they absolutely have to have that they're afraid is going to come off the board. So we're going to have the draft in Las Vegas and the hometown team's going to have the most boring draft possible, not picking <laughs> until the third round on Saturday morning. That's pretty much how it's going to play out. <sighs> uh, 
you know, interesting because if they had had the draft when it was originally scheduled, that was a big draft year for the Raiders in terms of I think they had two number one picks that year. Um, and so uh, it could have been a lot different. But when you think of the reason why they don't have those first, second-round picks that they have, Devontae Adams, uh, I think that, you know, to, to have a sure thing on your roster and, and somebody – who's going to, to help uh, increase the culture inside a, a locker room that actually was already had a pretty good culture inside it. Uh, that That's better to have that sure thing than, than a draft pick where you just don't know exactly what you're, you're going to get at the NFL level. What did you make of Derek Carr and them having an out after one season? You know, it's interesting because the, the, the wording of the contract, I mean, you look at that and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of local and national people say, why in the heck would Derek Carr sign that contract, but then you're listening to the words that, uh, of them. I, they, nobody expects it to, to end after this year. They, uh, I think that, I don't know if that you, you know you can talk about trust or whatever, but I think that, that they're comfortable with Derek. Derek seems comfortable enough with them, uh, and Derek is a believer in himself. He thinks he's going to put up the numbers where they have no choice but to keep moving on on the contract. Uh, and that's essentially, I think, what it came down to. Um, surprising, especially after what we saw uh, in Cleveland uh, with a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah, probably a little bit, I would say. Um, but at the same time, you have a quarterback who believes in what he can do. He believes in the tools that have been put around him. And, uh, you know, kind of a, maybe a little bit of a Vegas gamble. Do you believe the five offensive linemen that will start week one are currently on the roster? I, uh, that, to me, that is the complete stunner of this offseason, that they're, there's essentially going to be the same starting five uh, that we saw last year. I thought that was going to be a massive priority, and it could still be. I mean, you've got uh, some, some post-draft free agency. You're going to have some, some roster cuts during training camp where uh, some – some veterans sometimes get let go. Um, but uh, to me, that there was no movement made on that offensive line was the, the biggest stunner of, of uh, a season <laughs> with the Raiders where there were a lot of stunners. Uh, but uh, I, I would say that that was, that was huge. Will you well, be drinking? Is... Oh, I was just going to say real quick, will you be drinking lots of Frappuccinos? Aren't you going live from 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. on draft day? Oh. 5 a.m. Uh, to 11 p.m. Yeah, till midnight. Till we're, midnight. Uh, we're, we're all the way through till midnight. My so, uh, goodness. Opening day will be a, a long, a long day. <laughs> wow. And you're going to have zero picks by the Raiders between five and midnight <laughs> on the first yeah, day. Yeah, good luck, be Kevin. Talking a lot about the future, aren't we? And, uh, what's going to happen <laughs> Friday? And 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 uh, a recap of uh, of Raiders drafts passed in the last uh, five or six years and how those have panned out. And, and uh, kind of go into that type of coverage as well uh, as everything else that's going on. I mean, there's going to be so much going on in this city. Uh, the, the, the Raiders obviously are a, a part of this story, but on the first day, uh, it, it's, it's going to be kind of uh, one of those things where we kind of set the stage uh, for, for everything else to come. Well, he is Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5. Kevin, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. So there is Kevin from Fox Five. Five to midnight sounds absolutely terrible. Oh, on the uh, I don't know if it's on the hour, but live all day. So, Tyler, I haven't told you. Uh, we're actually doing a draft special here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're going to be on the air from 
I quit. Coming up next, we talk about baseball. There is a silent terror in baseball, one which has never come to pass in the real world. It's the Press Box with Brady Bishop on ESPN Las Vegas. The terror is this. There's no guarantee that a baseball game will ever end. There's no clock. It's absolutely possible for a pitcher to be so ineffective that outs are never reported, and the game marches on, locked in a death spiral until the end of time. Ed, did Cody Bellinger have two hits yesterday? Yeah. Had a double and a triple. This is, what What are we, 12 games into the season? Yeah. yeah. And he's alternated every game going either zero hits or yeah. two hits? Yeah, it's amazing. They got to get uh, a prop up on this. <laughs> They've got to get a prop up. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely uh, bizarre what he's doing. Do they play today? Oh, man. No, three-game series starting tomorrow at the Padres. All right, so I, day off, he's going hitless to open the series against the yes, Padres. Yes, but on Saturday, if you want to <laughs> if you want to bet on a player that's going to do well, bet on Cody Bellinger. I, I genuinely impressed a guy by being like, oh, no, all right, he's already got two hits, he's not going to hit another. Like, that, I, like, it was... This is the best piece of bar trivia you've ever given me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that Cody Bellinger gets two hits. Two hits or none. Uh, did you see Shani yesterday? I just knew that he had a perfect through five or six. Uh, he was perfect through five and a third, gave okay. up a single in the sixth. Uh, okay. He struck out, I believe it was 12 Astros in the first five innings of the game. Okay. Um, he was unbelievable yesterday to the point where I stopped watching after the third inning. Oh, wow. He must have been really good. He must have been really good for you to turn that game off. That combined with the Angels scoring six runs in the top of the first on three total hits, yeah, I turned it off. (laughs) The Angels didn't score again. They scored six in the top of the first and didn't score the rest of the game and cruised to an easy win. How long did he go? Because Otani was so good. Uh, he pitched through the sixth, and then he was done. And then he was done. Okay. Yeah. Then so they, they brought him. They bullpen. let him give up the hit, and that was it. Yeah. I, I yeah. I imagine if he had because his pitch count wasn't high. That was the thing. His pitch count wasn't high. Normally, when you strike guys out, your pitch count jumps up a little. Yeah, they foul a lot off. Sure. He, he, he struck out like thirteen, I think, in total. I, I think he might have had like four or five three pitch strikeouts. Oh wow! Like he was he was unbelievable, uh, incredible last night, and I couldn't bear to watch it because that was a complete disaster um but do you think baseball games are too long ed you and i we Uh, we both like baseball we watch a lot of baseball are the games too long i mean for me they're not because i'm so ingrained with the team i like you know and i just uh, i'll watch the entire game so unless i have something to do and i say oh this isn't gonna be over by that time i never sit around thinking about it so you know i'm sure a lot of people do i'm sure a lot of people said hey you know cut it down they're too long but I only really watch one team, and I never get caught up in how long it's taking. Yeah. I very, very rarely have been like, oh, this Astros game has taken too long. Right. Like, I am very rarely concerned with how long the game is taking. The the one time this year I was when I went to Arizona, and we had to drive back after the game, and they went to the 10th, and I was like, damn, how long are we going to be here before I got to drive five hours back home? But for the most part, if I'm sitting at home watching a baseball game, I don't think, oh, how long is this going to take? No, because it's I, too interesting in the game. I, I like watching yeah. the Astros play baseball, so I'm, I'm very rarely concerned with how long it is. But uh, minor league baseball is using a pitch clock, and so far into this season, 20 minutes have been shaved off of the average game time. 
Uh, scoring has not changed, but the pitch clock is, if the bases are empty, 14-second pitch clock. You've got 14 seconds as a starting pitcher or any pitcher between pitches to throw a pitch. If there's a runner on, you get a few extra seconds. You have an 18-second pitch clock, and this has cut 20 minutes off of the average game time, down from 2.59 to 2.39. Two two hours and 39 minutes is now the average game time so far in minor league baseball. I say, and I I will say, even though I've never paid attention to how much time is taking, I'm in favor of this. That's a lot. It's not two minutes, it's 20. Right, but I I think the general idea of you're going to make pitchers get on the mound and pitch, Mm -hmm. right, in 14 seconds... I'm I'm in favor. I think that will make even for for somebody who doesn't think baseball takes so long. I think that'll make it a better product to to watch. What's the uh, w- uh, lack of better term? What's the discipline? Yeah, you, the the pitch is a ball. Uh, I that? believe so. Okay. I, be- I, makes, I don't think the I don't really think the, the only first thing they time. could do. Yeah, I think I think you get a warning or maybe two, and then it's a and then you start getting penalized in the actual count. Um, so yeah, that's I mean yeah, it's you can't do a whole lot because there's also the batter is supposed to be, I think the batter's supposed to be in the box with five seconds left on the pitch clock. And I think if they're not in the box, you can just pitch it and it's a strike or a ball or, or what, right. whatever happens, happens. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's something that'll make it more fun just because we'll get, it'll quicken things up. I mean, the worst part of watching a baseball game is when a pitcher takes 35 seconds between. Yeah, he shakes him pitch. off 30 times. Yeah to even get on the mound and then he gets on the mound and it takes him another 35 yeah. seconds. Like there, there have been instances where there have been two minutes between pitches. If we're down to 14 seconds every single time or 18 seconds, because there's a runner on, I think that's, that's terrific. I think that'll be great. And you add in the, uh, the, the speaker in the ear, the pitch com that catchers and pitchers can use. So they don't have to give signs. You don't have to go through complicated signs that try to keep the runner on second from knowing what it is. You just type in, fastball down right right we this is this will be great baseball coming into the future i i'm kind of i don't have like i said i'm with you i love watching the team that i watch all the time uh don't have a problem with the time but i love the idea of doing this like i'm not i'm certainly not against this i mean if you want to do less less time then do less time 20 minutes is a ton i just 14 and 18 seconds i can't believe it's cut down on it that much and uh jeff passan from espn he wrote the story on this and his story said that Major League Baseball is likely to implement this starting next season. So this is basically one year minor league baseball. See how it goes. I, they've done it before too, but and as long as there's no problems between now and the end of the season, we'll have a pitch clock and faster baseball games.